0: Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for this week's edition of All Things Evangelism. This week we're talking about striking when the iron's hot. Now, this is a term that's used by evangelists and Bible workers and people who are in the business of working for souls on a regular day-to-day basis. Today I've got Greg Fernance, pastor of the Grafton Church here with me. Thank you, Greg, for yeah, joining me, brother.
1: Thanks for having me, Matt.
0: Yeah, man, it's good to be here with you. I always like when we get together, I learn... And I appreciate, yeah, I learned so much from you and what God has done through your ministry is inspiring to me. And I know that this is just the beginning and we've got more great things to come. But you've been with me before on the podcast, brother. We've talked about some interesting subjects together. But just in case there's someone listening today who wasn't listening then, and they want to know, okay, who's this Greg Fernance guy? Could you just share in like a minute or two who you are, where you're from, and and how you got to where you're at?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no problem. Yeah, I basically... I grew up in the church. I, I left the church when I was a teenager because I chose the world. I discovered that the, the world was not what it seems to be. And when I had nothing left, I cried out to God and God was there because when you, you are fully known and yet fully loved, and that's what compelled me to come back to God. The fact that he knew everything about me and that he still loved me and didn't judge me. And so I came to God and I just I had a passion then to share with everybody what it means to to follow Jesus. And through that process, God really changed my life and did miracles in me and and then exposed me to watching miracles happen in other people's lives. So today I started off as a Bible worker and then now I'm pastoring a church and which is still, I was talking about it with someone the other day. It's just crazy. If you had to ask me 10 years ago, was I going to be pastoring a
0: church? I probably would have socked you in the face. And yet, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that would have seemed like a threat to your life. Yeah. Like, what are you What are you talking about?
1: And yet, yeah. And yet, here I am, and and there's nothing else that I want to do hmm. but to share the gospel with people.
0: So you'd say you really enjoy ministry.
1: Yeah, without a doubt, it's like I've had pretty much every drug known to man. I've tried pretty much everything in life, and it, nothing gives me greater satisfaction than watching the Holy Spirit work on someone's life. And watching them see that God really loves them too. There's, there's no greater feeling than that. Yeah.
0: You enjoyed it before you were a pastor. You enjoyed it just as a member.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When as soon as I was baptized, like before I was baptized, I just had this passion. As soon as God worked on my heart, then like I'd I'd jump through the car window to to go and tell one of my mates that what God has done for me, just because of the, because not only did I want them to be saved, but it was just overwhelming watching them change as God worked on them too.
0: Jesus says, whoever walks through the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And whoever comes into the sheepfold, not by the door, but climbs in some other way, they're a thief and a robber. And But if you climb through the door, if you get into the door, he says, you are the shepherd. So it's just like you came through Jesus and became a shepherd of the sheep, even before you were officially recognized as a pastoral worker right
1: yeah it's funny you know because like I never asked for it I never really like beforehand I never really thought that I could do it and then God just opened doors and all I had to do was walk through that door that's all I had to do and God just opened up every door even in the impossible moments where I thought this will never happen this can never happen and it did God just kept opening doors and here I am today
0: amen and yeah what does it mean to you this phrase, "striking when the h- iron's hot," before you answer the question, brother, I want to say to everyone listening: this phrase, I told you guys, it's a typical phrase amongst soul winners and evangelists and people who are regularly working with other people to bring them to faith in Christ and to encourage and encouraging them to, to accept truth, biblical truth. So, what is Greg? What is this? And by the way, guys, it's a, it's an important phrase. It's an important. It, it, it's a phrase that identifies something that's essential to success. Yeah, in evangelism, and it's not being aware of this principle, this idea, that is caused for a lot of people to do a lot of good work for God, but then not see fruit from it. It's because they don't understand this idea that you need to strike when the iron's hot. So, Greg, what does this mean to you? This phrase, what does this mean? Strike when the iron's hot.
1: Yeah. So, spiritually speaking, to me, it it um it means when you can see the spirit working in someone's life, don't let that go. Not even for a day, not even for an hour, not even jump on that chance as soon as you get that chance because we live in a society that lives moment by moment. And if you miss that opportunity, then your that person can walk away and they might rethink or they might the devil might come in and, 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 and attack and, and not allow them in. Or I, I was thinking about this actually, before we started talking, and I, I thought about the the fact of, because when I was a kid, I used to go on fishing a lot. And when you go in a boat, the bung is very important. Because if you don't have a bung in a boat, then the boat starts to to go down, starts to fill up with water. And essentially, in this world, we're all starting to sink. And we can sit there and think, oh, the water's slowly sinking, we've got enough time to to have a bit of fun, and then go back to the bank. And, and in that time, the hole might get bigger and the boat might sink real quick. Or we can not muck around and we can find that bung as quickly as we can and plug that hole. And everybody in their life in this world, everyone's got that hole that needs to be filled by God. And it needs to be filled sooner than later before the hole gets bigger and bigger and you can't reach that person anymore.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. It's a, a really good point. It occurred to me when you were talking that you can't put the great controversy on a schedule. The Holy Spirit and the angels of God, they're ministering for our salvation. And Jesus is interceding on our behalf, like applying his righteousness and his power and his resurrection to us, giving us desires and and inspiration to make good choices and right choices to follow him. And when when a door opens in someone's heart and they become softened and they become open, you've got to jump on it, like you've said, but you can't, decide when exactly that's going to happen. Like you, you, we, when we do evangelism in local churches, we generally make a calendar. We put a calendar or a schedule of events together, and we plan the events strategically so that they're leading to a reaping campaign. And so the idea is that we'll develop interest through these various ministries and then sow seeds through these various ministries and you know, get people to a point where they're ready to hear like the, the message of the Bible. And so then we bring them to a venue or whatever, even if it's just Bible studies. And we start sharing truth, calling for decisions, because we're assuming that we've warmed up the iron, we've we've heated up the iron through all of our preparatory ministries. And now we're going to strike when the iron's hot, because when an iron's hot, it's moldable, it can be bent. But when it's cold, it can't be bent. So the Holy Spirit heats someone's heart up. And so they're impressionable for the God. We do that for that. This is why we schedule evangelism the way we do, or we do it in a strategic fashion. But at the same time, just because our schedule says that the reaping series is happening in June, it doesn't mean that's when someone's going to be ready to make a decision. So you've got to be perceptive, right? Like you've got to be able to read how the Spirit's working in people's lives.
1: Yeah. It's interesting, Matt. Um, Here a while back, I I used to, coming home from one Bible study, i drive past these two people that I knew years ago. And God would always tell me, you got to drop in there. You got to drop in there. And like at, at this stage, of, like I was at the point where, man, i got so many Bible studies at the moment. How am I going to fit them in? And that's, I'm not big note myself or anything. I'm just letting you know that I was really busy at the time and, and that's why I wasn't dropping in. But every time I drove past that house, God would say, drop in there. And then one day it was nearly like he almost put my foot on the brake and grabbed my hand on the blinker. He was like, you drop in there right now. <laughs> and I dropped in there, hey. And I just got out of the car. I had no idea what I was going to say to him. I knocked on the door. And they are like, oh, hey, haven't seen you for ages. And, and I came in and they asked me what I was doing with my life at the, at the time. And I shared with them a bit. And they said, this Jehovah's Witness lady's been coming to our house. And they're like, and then Corona hit and she stopped coming. And our daughter's got all these questions and we don't have the answers. Now, I could have walked out that day and not said nothing. I could have said, Oh, well, I'm sure that lady will ring you back up. But God just impressed upon me to say I just said straight away, I was I was no so mucking around about it. I just was like, How about I come do Bible studies with you? And then you'll know the answers to those questions. And the their answer was instantaneously yes. And we started just like that. And I I, I always remember that because I could have just kept driving past and fobbing it off, and we tend to do that. Sometimes we're either too shy, or we think that we're not capable, or and God's saying, "Do it now." And if you don't do it now, then the opportunity's gone.
0: Amen. Hey, does the text in Second Timothy four apply where Paul says uh, to Timothy, "Be instant in season and out of season"? So yeah. Yeah. you were like out of season because you're driving; it's not part of your schedule. You're busy as. But the spirits, dude, like it keeps coming to your mind, and then finally you surrender. And it's yeah, you gave into that impression. You saw that the iron was hot, and you struck. Man, that's so good. That's so. Good. Does that that verse apply to you.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I always, I always think about Second Corinthians um, six two, and it says, "Now is the day for salvation, and now is everybody's day for salvation." Because you don't know what's going on in anybody's life. Someone could walk out and get hit by a car tomorrow. Or they could die of a heart attack or so today is the day. If you can reach that person, today's the day to save them. And and that reminds me of this this whole we've just been through all these floods, right? Now we opened up our church to this lady whose place got totally underwater. She came up to the church and wanted to stay in a caravan. And so there was no agenda there to preach the gospel to her at first. we'll just helping her out. So she stays at our church in this caravan. She's still there, by the way. And she she comes up to church while church is on on the sabbath morning and she just sits in sabbath school now a, a member comes up to me in between the service and sabbath school and goes that lady that we let stay in our church she said to me i've led a horrible life and uh, jesus is coming soon and and i need to do something else. so what are you what are your options then like god's obviously already been working in this lady's life before we even knew about it so i'm straight on her and we go, and, and then I find out that she's got an interest in dreams. Where, if someone's interested in dreams, where are you going to take them? You're going to take them to Daniel 2, eh? We talk about Daniel 2. And she's, I'm still in studies with this lady now. She's still living at the church. I don't care if she stays there for another six months because she's coming to God. And sometimes the iron's already preheated. And all we have to do is press it in and iron out the wrinkles.
0: Bro, I was doing Bible work in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I was skipping a day of outreach because I was on a team of four or five Bible workers. And these guys were so, they were such high performers that it was hard for me to keep up. They, These were people who were having like Bible studies with 17 to 21 people a week. And it was hardcore. But this day I was taking, I didn't have any Bible studies scheduled or outreach to do. And I was going to go visit an evangelism series that was happening in the city. So I did a U-turn. I basically realized, okay, it's it, actually, I was on outreach. But it was like, okay, time for the meetings. That's what it was. And I started, and I got in my truck. I started heading towards the meetings and I took a wrong turn, which led me to have to do it And As soon as I did a UE, I saw a guy hitchhiking on the side of the road. And at the time I had a policy that I would always pick up hitchhikers. Because I was a single gospel worker, volunteer traveling around the U.S. doing outreach. So I pick up whoever and we talk, we pray, we you know, what I've had homeless guys that I've picked up on the highways of the United States live with me for three or four days. We stay in the city. I'm like, hey, I'm going to get a hotel. You want to stay with me? We, hey, I'm going to sleep at the rest stop. You can stay with me. You want to keep driving? Yeah, we're, we eat lunch together. We, they just become my friend for a few days. And I've had great experiences witnessing. This guy, though, he had a big, giant dog, like a gigantic dog mastiff or some kind of big pit bull looking dog that's bigger. And I didn't want him in the back of my truck. So I was like debating in my mind, ah oh, pick this guy up. He's got this big, nasty, slobbering dog. It's gonna destroy all the stuff in the back of my truck. The spirit's like, stop, man. Like just stop. And I felt a little bit like the wrong turn might have been a right turn. And that's maybe why. So when I saw him, I was like, Oh, he's got a dog I don't want to stop. And then it's like, oh but you just took a wrong turn. He's right there. This is a God thing. So he gets in the car he needs to go to downtown Albuquerque. I say, look, I'm going to this church meeting, man. Why don't you come? And then after, I'll take you all the way to downtown. It's like, yeah, sure. So he comes to this meeting. Dude, the evangelist is preaching a sermon on the uniform of a Christian. That's the name of the sermon. I remember the preacher. His name was Scott Moore. Anyways, I'm making the story long. It's like just Christian living. How does a, how does a Christian bury themselves? And how does a Christian live? And how does a Christian dress themselves? And all this kind of stuff. After the sermon... The guy and I are walking out of the church. The evangelist is standing there. We shake his hand. It's like a packed house. It's a big meeting. And when he shakes the evangelist's hand, he hands him like a little envelope. And he's like, God spoke to me today. And I'm like, oh, this is weird. What's going on? What's in that envelope? And it was like, it was a tongue ring that he had in his tongue. So he's like, I'm taking out my tongue ring. And the guy didn't preach on tongue rings. He didn't preach really on jewelry or anything like that. He just was saying, hey, Christians carry themselves in such a way that they're representing the Lord of glory. So hold your head up high. Be a fitting representation and think the way of yourself that you should. So this guy felt convicted. I'm taking this tongue ring out. I don't know what he associated that with or whatever. He takes it out. He gives it to my friend. We get in the car. He tells me like these insane stories. And it's just the iron's hot, man. But this guy's homeless. He's got a big gnarly dog. I'm a volunteer who's living on a high school campus at an Adventist Academy. is <laughs> with 60 other Bible workers who've come from all over the country to do this mission. And I'm just like, whatever, dude, come live with us. So he comes and lives. This is a happy and a bad story and a sad story. But he comes and lives with us. And and I've I'm, I'm talked to the leaders of the of the program. Hey, let's get him a space. And they they, they go, yeah sure cool no no worries. Anyways, this hap- this goes on for three or four days. He's coming to worship. He's coming out on outreach. This guy's a druggie. He was he's he was he sold. This is crazy. He sold himself as a male prostitute for many years. Terrible abuse as a kid. Never had a home. Never had a dad. Always on the streets. But he had a good influence from his grandparents, yeah? And somehow they planted the seed of decency in this guy. And he just, the image of God can still be retained to a degree in people, even though it's trashed. And he was just a nice guy, like a great guy. And you could see, man, like he wants out. He wants freedom. He wants salvation. He saw what you saw. And I was so excited. I'm like, yes, this is so amazing. He's living with us. He's going on outreach with us. He's studying the Bible with us. And then we had this, now that's the good part. We struck And I was striking when the iron was hot and we were making whatever concessions we needed to make so that he can continue this journey. We inconvenienced ourselves striking when the iron hot iron's hot requires inconvenience in. Anyways, so this um, one of the higher up leaders in the kind of organization that we were working for that was funding these missions came and then pointed out that since this guy's a homeless guy, we don't know where he's from. He's actually only like 20 years old, but we had like underage girls like 16, 17 year old, year old girls on the campus living. We could no longer allow him to stay there and continue to live with us because of the liability issue. Just to be very frank with you, I was so mad.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 I
0: was so angry. I'm like, "What are we doing here?" And so this is a risk. I'm like, "So's the the gospels risky? The gospels risky?" Now you don't want to take unnecessary risks. So I see where he's coming from as a dad of a daughter. I get it. Like I get where he was coming from, but couldn't we have just said, "Hey, we'll give you a room with a on a different building"? And they basically just told yeah. me I had to ask him to leave. And it was. I was so disappointed. I was so angry. And this day, I'm disappointed with the people who made that decision. It was wrong. It was ungodly. I think Jesus in heaven was probably about to throw down a thunderbolt in his love and anger. But anyways, so we were striking when the iron was hot. And then I asked him to leave. He was very grateful. I saw him several times throughout the course of the year. By the way, I always had the secret hope that I would find a homeless guy and straight from the streets, he would become a gospel preacher. Yeah. I had this hope and ambition for six years, several years. And When I found this guy, I was like, I think he's the one. He's the guy. Who's, he's just going to come with me. Yeah. We're just going to. He's going to be a part of my ministry, and he and we're going to train him and develop it and disciple him, and he's going to become a powerful soul winner for God. And his story is going to be from the street to the savior, like just and yeah, that kind of a person who wasn't willing, a person in charge of ministry who wasn't willing to strike when the iron was hot, or at least let us continue. That, that foiled that. But I saw him through the years a couple times around the world, strangely enough, and uh, almost had another couple chances, but his fire died. So it's a sad story, but yeah, yeah, makes the point. Yeah.
1: No, that's it. And that, that's the thing, striking while the iron's hot, that is not just important for the person that you're reaching, but it's also important for you. Because if you don't keep that iron hot, what's going to happen eventually? If you don't keep connected to the source that's burning your fire to keep that iron hot, then eventually your iron's going to go cold and you're not going to be able to reach anyone and you're going to be the one that needs striking with a new iron.
0: Absolutely, man, 100%. So, bro, we got a few minutes left in, in the podcast. What are some practical things we can say to people in regards? I think we've shared a lot of yeah, good stories and some good insight on the need to strike when the iron is hot. And I think these examples we've given have helped people to see, okay, okay yeah, I can see examples in my life where maybe the iron was hot. My son came home from summer camps and was saying he made a decision for Jesus. I'm the shepherd of this boy. I'm the dad. I'm the man of this house. And this is my spiritual responsibility. The iron was hot. And now my kid is not so stoked on God because I didn't strike when the iron was hot. That can be scary, right? So I guess maybe what are some practical things? And if you don't have anything to respond to this, that's fine. But what are some practical things we can leave our listeners with in regards to this subject, striking when the iron is hot? Like what are some, even if it's bullet points, like here's words of wisdom slash practical advice.
1: Yeah. I think never be afraid that you're going to get burned, oh. you know, have a go. If if you get burned with the iron, at least you've tried and then it's up to that person and God, but you'll never, you'll always regret walking away and not at least putting the iron down. Yeah, ne- never be fearless. Like how many times in the Bible does it say, be of good courage, do not fear, fear not. What have we got to fear? The, the worst that can happen is I'll say no, you know, and it's not that, that big of a deal.
0: Yeah, Striking while the iron is hot is risky. I'll add that from my last story. There's always risks involved. Yeah, There's always, risk. always yeah,
1: risks. You might get burned. You might get
0: burned. But It's disruptive. Might... Yeah, yeah, it I'll is. Throw that on there. It's disruptive. Striking when the iron's is hot is disruptive. It disrupts your schedule.
1: Yeah, it does. It does because when you can see that someone needs to be striked, you, you forget your schedule. You just jump in and you hit that person.
0: If I come home from work and, and it's daylight savings time, and the wind's offshore, and I know there's two to three feet of swell, and I've got an afternoon where my, say my kids aren't home or Sharice has got them off on an activity, guess what I'm going to do as soon as I get home? Grab my board, grab my wetsuit, and go surf. That's right. Now, that may disrupt my schedule, but for some reason that doesn't bother me because I'm going to catch a few fun waves. And so it's amazing how we're so worried about keeping our schedule intact when it comes to soul winning and people's eternal well-being versus our recreational pursuits. So if Matt. you came to me and said, Matt, I got some tickets. We're going to Japan, <laughs> snowboarding trip. I'd be like, "Hey, honey, I disrupt lots of plans for that." Yeah. And so I think we need to subject ourselves to Jesus to the point where we say, "Lord, those who you died for are important enough to me that I will allow my schedule to be disrupted, my life to be disrupted, at least not to the point where I, I lose all sense of like normalcy and order in my home." But nobody's—it just—it always helps me personally. And I'm not trying to make you guys listening feel guilty, but. It always helps me personally to to say the things that I've just said, like to myself, hey, Matt, you're that's making a big issue about reorganizing your night with your family because of this spiritual responsibility and this opportunity to minister to someone. But you don't think it's a big deal if you were like going on a ski trip or a surf trip or whatever, yeah. something fun came up.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's like the running race, man. Your end, The end result is the goal. You want to be first over the line, but there's people tripping over. Are you going to worry about yourself and getting there first or stop and help those people up and like I'm, I'm using those same examples to myself all the time every time something happens and I'm like in the midst of something I'm like oh man I've got to stop because if I don't what if I can't catch that person tomorrow or what if they've gone cold by tomorrow and then that's that person's life to me they could be lost every decision that you make has eternal consequences whether good or bad every decision and, and that might be extreme but that's the way that I see life.
0: It's true. It's true. The Bible, I think, makes that very clear. And bro, la- the last thing I'm going to say in regards to just a practical bullet point of advice is that wh- when an opening is shown to you, like you see the Spirit working, in, as is, as we saw in the stories we told, you, if if you don't strike when the iron's hot, if you don't make them, if you don't capitalize on that opportunity, then you're you're not accepting a privileged offer, like an offer of privilege, like God is privileging us. And he's basically saying to us, hey, like, I believe in you. It's almost like a vote of confidence. God is saying, I orchestrated circumstances so that you can be in this situation at this time, because I believe in you. I'm willing to commit uh, this person into your care and give you, and I'm going to give you the blessing of giving to them on a spiritual level, or at least offering them. And Paul says, it's better to give than to receive. So it's like, you're in a way refusing a blessing and a gift from God. And you're almost saying to the Lord, yeah, thanks for believing in me, but no thanks. I don't want that responsibility maybe, or I don't know what it is. But And then also the work that the Spirit and the angels and the other Christians have done to get that po- person maybe to that point. Or Anyways, so I think striking when the iron's hot is honoring God because he's honored you. And it's honoring whoever the Spirit has used or whatever circumstances the Spirit has orchestrated so that person could get to that point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was just going to say, I just, I, I find it unbelievably overwhelming that God uses broken humanity to reach broken humanity. You know, that's a real privilege. Like you're saying, you know, the fact that God could save everyone on his own, but he uses broken people to save broken people. And and in that process, both become healed. And And to me, that's beautiful.
0: Yeah. He's obligated himself to us and and really ultimately i agree with you he could we say he could save everyone by himself but maybe he couldn't maybe he in the great scheme of his creative plan he just saw that he would make himself dependent upon humanity and that would be a part of humanity's saving as well yeah, yeah it's so good hey listen guys it's been fantastic to to spend some time talking with you guys and greg thanks for coming on and and sharing some of your thoughts and experiences it's really so encouraging hey and guys, strike when the iron's hot. When you see opening a door of opportunity for you to be a blessing, it doesn't matter, you know, where that person's at. If they're opening up to to moving forward in a good spiritual direction towards the son of God, towards the truth, then you know, participate with God in that. Be bold, be brave, and put yourself out there. Disrupt your schedule for for the sake of the lost. And, and and ultimately, God's going to bless you. And anyways, guys, I hope that you've been blessed by this uh, conversation. It's a joy to, to hang out with you guys for a little bit each week. And we'll look forward to, to seeing you next week for all things evangelism. God bless.